This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. You really gotta love having conversations with like-minded moms, and that is what today's episode is. Today, I am talking with Jessica Diamond. She is the co-host of Meaningful Living. If you listened a few episodes back, I was talking with Haley Hubbard. That is her co-host, and my conversation with Haley was awesome. They are very like-minded. They're just kind of like honest about what motherhood is and just not sugarcoating it. What they also do is they weed through all the information that we're overloaded with and they just give you what you need to know. That is kind of the reason why they started Meaningful Living. If you haven't checked out their podcast already, you really should. It's great. I find myself nodding along and being like, yes, yes. You know, they ask the questions that I'm thinking in my head. Jessica Diamond is a registered dietitian. She's also a nutritionist and she is focused on family and children when it comes to her practice. Jessica's son is also three years old, so he's the same age as Milo, so we have lots in common when it comes to that and living with a toddler. We talk about her transition into motherhood. She tells us about her thoughts on breastfeeding and all the things that are labeled as best practice. We really had a great conversation around, you know, what is best practice? What does that really mean? And how... You know, you can't just have a blanket statement because every individual situation is so different. So what's best practice for one person is not going to be best practice for the next. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to this one. Then obviously, because she's a dietitian and a nutritionist, of course, we got into tips and tricks on how to raise intuitive eaters. She tells us what her go-to meals and snacks are. And I also asked her about giving Milo a snack before bed on those days where he doesn't eat a lot of his dinner. So you can hear the advice she gave me on that one. And I will be implementing that for sure because it makes a lot of sense. 
I hope that after listening to this episode, you are a little bit less stressed out when it comes to feeding your children. So without further ado, please welcome Jessica Diamond to the Mom Room Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Jessica Diamond. To start, I thought you could introduce yourself, your family, and also talk a little bit about your background in nutrition. Absolutely. So I'm Jessica Diamond. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. So I specialize in maternal, infant, and child nutrition. I've been doing it for, I can't believe it, over a decade now. I love it. I'm a mom myself as well. I've got a three-year-old son. His name is Bryce. And I'm the co-founder of Meaningful Living. So Haley Hubbard and I have a platform. It's a parenting and nutrition platform to be able to educate. So we have a podcast called Meaningful Living Podcast. And then we have a platform of education, courses and articles and all of the fun jazz to help everyone break down information into the easiest possible pieces because I think parenting is really overwhelming. And my whole belief has always been in nutrition and in life. When we feel confident, we can then make the best choices and we feel the best version of ourselves. So my whole goal in life is to make people feel confident with the choices they make. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the main reasons why parenting and when you become a mom, it's stressful and you're always second guessing yourself because we don't have that confidence. And one of the reasons why we don't have that confidence is because of all the information that's thrown at us. Like I always think back to when my mom had us like three little kids, there was no internet, there was no social media. So like it would be harder in some ways, but at the same time, you're not being bombarded with so much information and you're just kind of going off instinct. That's probably the main reason why Haley and I started Meaningful Living was that exact thing. I always felt so frustrated when I was in my training and I was learning to become a dietitian and I was in school there was all this complex information that once I understood it, I was like, wait, this is really simple. But then you would open up Instagram or at that time, the internet, and you would be flooded with so much misinformation and people, things that could be broken down and being so simple were made so much more complex. And then people weren't making the decisions that were best for them, not because they didn't want to, they were looking for the right information, but they didn't know what that information was to make those empowered choices. So I think it's a blessing that we have Instagram and the internet and we have more information than ever, but I think it's really important that we break it down to make it simple so that we're not in this information overload and we don't feel overwhelmed. Things can be really simple and you need to be able to listen to your gut, but then have that basic information to know how to act. I'm curious, just as someone, because you've studied nutrition and food, what did you find as you were going through the training and learning so much about the food that we eat? Was it overwhelming? Because I used to read books on nutrition. Like that was my hobby. I loved it. But then I was like, oh my God, you feel like you know so much. And then one day it was like, oh my God, the sugar, like sugar is terrible. And, you know, like I'm overthinking now, you know, picking up a salad dressing at the grocery store and looking at the ingredients and understanding what those ingredients are. And like, you're able to make better choices, but sometimes I find it can be overwhelming and you're like, wow, most of the food that is available to us is not fueling us. It's actually hurting us. So how do you navigate, I guess, knowing so much about nutrition and food and then, you know, trying to also have a normal life and eating like a variety of things? One of the biggest things that I stand for and one of my biggest missions in life is to really combat diet culture. I think the reason we get so 
overwhelmed by nutrition is because there are a lot of forces at play that make it much more confusing than it needs to be, right? We're told to look at the carbohydrate level and the protein level and all these macronutrients and things we can't even spell or say. And in reality, it's actually so much simpler. We want to look for things that are real, that are real foods. I always say, think back to like your great, great grandma. If she didn't know what you're eating and it's some sort of like, Michael Pollan says this all the time, but an edible food-like substance, if it's not something real, then that's not real food. That's not fueling us, but that's okay. What I really, my biggest mission in life is to take kind of that pressure off and help people have a better relationship with food because it's pretty impossible for us to grow up in the society that we grew up with and us to have a good and positive relationship with food in our bodies if we haven't worked on it. And so most of the work that I do is helping people take kind of that pressure off and realizing that kind of all foods can fit in moderation. There are there are real foods and there are kind of fake foods, but really kind of taking that pressure off and helping people actually become intuitive eaters and start to get more in touch with their body and then be able to do it differently for our kids. Because just because we were raised a certain way with it, we can then break that generational cycle and do it differently for our kids. We made a little garden in the backyard, just not even so that we could eat the produce because I went to go pick it the other day and it was covered in spiders. And I was like, okay, maybe not. But just like the fact that he can see how food gets to the grocery store. Yesterday, I was trying to get him to eat snap peas and they come in this little bag. And I'm like, you want some of your snap peas? And he's like, no. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, where do they come from? And he's like, from the farm. And they had a little picture of the farmers on the label. And I was like, look, there's the farmers. Because I think we're so disconnected from where food actually comes from. You know, completely disconnected, completely. And so much of the nutrition education focuses as as it stands right now, doesn't actually help our kids have better nutrition or a better relationship with food. A lot of the nutrition education comes from spinach, it makes you stronger, or spinach, it's gonna help your heart, right? We we talk about what the food's gonna do to us, but really the nutrition education that really helps people make better choices is to understand where it comes from. So like edible gardens or just the fact that you can make a garden, you don't have to pick it and eat it, but getting them involved in that process, knowing where food comes from, what it is, right? You can pull kids off the street and you can ask them where, where a zucchini comes from and they have no idea. Yeah, the grocery is store. Is a vegetable? <laughs> exactly, right? So they, we just don't, we're so disconnected. I love that you said that. And so nutrition education, I don't like focusing on the nutrients. I like focusing on where it came from, what it is. Okay, so you have a three-year-old son. Milo is three. I love that we have the same age. I know. What is your son into right now? What is he into? He's really into music. He is like a musically inclined kid. It is really funny, but he's into the drums right now. So he will drum away, yeah. Nice. Milo is all about dinosaurs, which for a while it was Toy Story. And I thought that was going to last till he was 18, but that went away. And now he's all about dinosaurs and it's so cute. He knows all the names of, I can't even say them. I was going to say, leave it to a three-year-old. They make you feel so uneducated. It's unbelievable. I'm like, wait a minute. You know so much more about archaeology than I even know. Yeah. Oh, you remember something that I told you two minutes ago that I can't even have the memory retention to remember the name of that dinosaur, but you remember it. Exactly. He like corrects my pronunciation when I'm reading dinosaur books. I'm like, really? But so I'm curious what your transition into motherhood was like. Like, were there things that you weren't expecting? Was there something that surprised you? Anything like that? 
So I was one of those people since I was a young kid. I think that I've been drawn to education. I've been drawn to nutrition and parenting. So I've always been, I've been one of those people that since I was a little girl, I would probably teach my baby doll something. And I took care, I have a little sister. So I would take care of her and I'd leave little notes in her lunchbox. So becoming a mom was something for me that I was so excited for. I couldn't wait for that to happen. I think the thing that surprises me so much is kind of what everyone says, which is how long the days are and how short the years are. I think just that time's flying. I also got sick when Bryce was a year and a half old. So part of it is that I had kind of this plan. You think of what your what it's going to be like for a mom and you're so excited your kid's going to go to preschool. And I think everyone can relate to this right now because no matter what area or what age your kid was, kind of everything came to a halt, but mine came to a more significant halt. And so there was a lot of things that I couldn't do at those developmental stages he was at. And so I think for me, it was kind of just coming to terms with that my motherhood journey was going to look differently than how I had envisioned it. Where are you guys at right now? So great. I get to... I get to see him. I get to be around him and and all that stuff now. So I'm feeling a lot better and I'm feeling a lot stronger, which is great. And he right now is just in that stage where his imagination is just flourishing. You know, it's, I'm sure you see this with Milo, right? It's like he can make a train set out of anything and he'll, he'll just be sitting there and be like, I'm the gardener now. Look at what I'm doing. I'm raking leaves and I'm cutting the trees down. And so it's really cute to just watch his imagination flourish. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. 
We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. The independent play, sometimes I just watch and I'm like, wow, he can keep himself busy. It's unbelievable. Like Unbelievable. Yeah. Like just grabbing things, making like a little roadway, then a dinosaur is attacking them. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> like it's incredible. It's incredible. I'm, I'm like that imagination is, I think that's the key to happiness in life is an imagination. I think as adults, we we dream a lot less than kids do. And I think we can learn from kids about that dreaming. And I think it's something that's so healthy for all of us. So one of my favorite stories that I had Haley share on her episode with me was when she called you from the hospital about breastfeeding and she didn't want to do it. And you kind of, you know, gave her not permission, but you, I feel like as a mom, you want someone, usually not your partner because you're just like, uh, like they don't understand, but especially you want another mom to kind of validate what you're feeling and say it's okay to not do something because we put so much pressure on ourselves. So yeah, you made it okay for her to be like, you don't have to breastfeed, you know, everything's going to be fine. So I was wondering kind of what your take was on breastfeeding and on other things that we stress ourselves out over because it's labeled best practice. Absolutely. Maybe this might be one of my favorite topics. And there's so much in parenting. When you open up Instagram, the reason we started Meaningful Living is exactly this, right? You open up Instagram and it is so easy to feel shamed so quickly right? Like there is one way to do things and there are best practices, right? We know that there are benefits to breastfeeding. There are benefits to breast milk. We know that, but that does not mean that every mother needs to breastfeed. There's a huge difference between those two things. And so I am all about looking at a human, their specific circumstances, and we have to weigh the risk and benefit in every situation. And I, as opposed to, you know, I love giving, you know, Haley in that situation permission to go with what her gut was already, but also help lay out the facts so that she could look at these and say, okay, I'm going to actually feel empowered to make the decision for myself. I know what my gut is saying. Now let me look at the facts for me. Okay. The facts clearly are that breastfeeding is not right for me in this situation. And so it really, really, 
Every parent has a different journey. We need to honor that. And we need to help people support them in in whatever way, whatever is right for them. And so I'm all about if someone wants to breastfeed, it's not, it's not easy, right? It's a lot harder than people make it seem. And so if a parent comes to me and says, Jess, you know what? Breastfeeding is something that's so important to me and I want to do it. Help support me along the way. That's a totally different thing than saying breastfeeding is so hard. I feel so stressed when I do it. This isn't right for me. I don't want to do it. Or this is just something I'm not into and I want to choose formula. So I think looking at each situation, there's not one blanket statement that's right. So really laying out the facts for every person and helping a parent know this is probably my quote that I say over and over again, but a happy parent is a happy child. We need to think about what our stress response and how we are is affecting our kids. And so your kid is going, if you are breastfeeding and you're sitting there the entire time and you're just doing it for the benefits of breast milk and you're, you have stress hormones being released and you are hating every second that you're starting this feeding relationship with your baby and you're hating those moments, right? There's a lot of people that hate it, right? Like despise it. And that's okay. That means that that might not be the right path for you because you don't want to be doing anything in those situations that you're just sitting there the whole time miserable. Your your baby feels that. I feel for women that really stress over breastfeeding and kind of make themselves go through with it because especially in those first few weeks, first few months, you're not going to get that time back. And so if you're constantly anxious and stressed out while you're breastfeeding, and then also in between feeds, you're dreading the next feed, like how much are you able to enjoy that time? Absolutely. I think it's like there's there's this fine balance when it comes to feeding. And I think the reason I love feeding so much is that what I love teaching are principles. And I think we can learn from those principles. It spills into everything else. There's nothing in parenting that we do more than feeding, whether it's breastfeeding, formula feeding, bottle feeding in the beginning, or feeding our kids meals and snacks. There is not one thing you do more than feeding. And so setting up that positive relationship is so important and it spills out to so many other things in your life. So if if feeding starts off as a battle or feeding starts off in not a great way for a really prolonged period of time, it just causes so much more stress. And so I think it's really important that we have an honest conversation to say breastfeeding, there are so many benefits to it and it and it's amazing. And for the women that do it and it works for them, that's incredible. And there are women it does not work for or that they don't have that desire to do it. And that is okay. And formula is great. We live in a modern era where we can do both. And there are also some women that they dream of breastfeeding and they don't have the ability to do it. Something happened. And so it's really important as opposed to making these blanket statements that we really just look at everyone's individual circumstances. And instead of putting so much pressure, we just say, how's it going? Or what can I help with? As opposed to, are you breastfeeding? Are you not? How's feeding going? Like We just have to take the pressure off a little bit because I can tell you one thing that's absolute for sure. I, In all the years I've been doing this, I've never ever met a mother that says to me, I don't want to do the best thing for my child. Right. And so, if we all come from the premise that we all want to do the best thing for our kids, we're doing the best thing for our kid. And so, we can find that support. So, whether that's a cheerleader to help you breastfeed or a cheerleader to tell you to give that permission, it doesn't work for you. And here is another great option. That's what we need more of. I always say, like, something is considered best practice when every single other variable is controlled. 
Like, so now when you start moving all those other things around, like mental health, like physical health, like, you know, everything that comes with being a mom, now that person's best practice is going to change. So we all kind of have our own best practice. And like you said, whatever that is for that person, let's support that. Then we're all happy. (laughs) Totally. And I think that's one of my, that's one of my pet peeves is I think a lot of people say in practice, like, you know, your child best or every child is different. But let me tell you how you should, how you need to be doing something. And I just think we need to just switch that around to say, there is information that exists in the universe. Let's look at that information and then let's look at your situation and let's make the right decision for you. And when we can talk through it, that gives you that confidence piece. So it doesn't matter what your mother-in-law or what your friend says, you then feel solid about the decision you made because you thought about it. You made a conscious decision. Yeah. People always ask me, how are you so confident in, you know, cause I'll talk about things that are difficult. Like this is what we're doing. And I, I have no problem saying it out loud and, you know, for everyone to hear and they can have their opinions, but it's really what you just said. Anything that I'm doing, I have already thought about it. I have tried other methods. I don't want to do other methods and I know why I don't want to do them. So now when I choose something and I'm doing it, I'm confident in that decision. And so when someone else says like, oh, but don't you think you should like maybe do this? It's like, no, like it just bounces off me. And I'm like, no. And you can explain to them why, or you can just simply say no. Absolutely. I feel, I feel for parents. I feel for everyone right now because we are in a state where People give uh, the second you get married, the second you're in a relationship, the second any of those life moments start happening, you get unsolicited advice. And the intent is typically really good, right? It is really when you get pregnant, you're going to get all of these friends and everyone saying, you have to get this stroller, you have to get this bottle, because that's what worked for them and they're trying to help. But I think the part that's missing is if we don't feel confident in the decision we're making, we get thrown all over the place by all of of these little noises that are coming in. And so my goal in life, if there's one thing I could do, it's just to say, I want every parent out there to come to me, get information where they feel I've got this. I know exactly what my decision is going to be right now. And I feel confident about it and settled. And that way I can be more present with my family, with myself, and I can, I can navigate this. I feel confident. Be at peace with your decisions. Okay, so let's get into eating. Milo's new word that he learned, and I'm sure he learned it at school, is yucky. And everything is yucky. He only uses it if he wants something, he won't say that it's yucky. But literally this morning, I was trying to put his socks on and he was telling me that socks are yucky. And I'm like, okay, like that's just his word right now. So He's a pretty good eater, but I am very, like if there was a spectrum of, you know, very controlled food in a, in a household versus like very flexible, I'm like very, very flexible because that's how I grew up. You know, like if he wants a snack at whatever time he's going to get it. If he, if I open the fridge and he's like, sees the apple and he wants the apple, I'm going to give him the apple. Like I... I really don't like saying no when he asks for food, with some exceptions, obviously. But for families that struggle with mealtimes, like what do you think are the biggest things that parents can change at home to start to see some improvement at mealtime? The number one thing is that we were raised in a society that we are told as parents, it's our job to get our kids to eat. 
it's not our job to get our kids to eat. It's actually our job to offer a well-balanced, nutritious lifestyle for them. And they can have as much or as little as they want. And the reason I say that is because we want our kids to eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full. We want our kids to be able to go to a birthday party and have birthday cake and eat other food and not have this fixation on desserts and overeat and have truthfully, I guess what that could be called is disordered eating. We want them to be intuitive eaters. And so one of my mentors, Ellen Satter, she came up with this amazing thing called the division of responsibility. And what it does is it tells you the very simple rules. It's really simple. If parents listen and caregivers stay in their lane and kids stay in, in their lane and you don't kind of, you, you own those jobs and you kind of don't let them overlap, your kid will actually grow up to be this intuitive eater and be a lot less selective. So what that is, is as a parent, you're in charge of the menu. So you make the menu. You're in charge of when meals happen and where meals happen. And so something that you said that I love is that you're really, you're not rigid. You're really, you're, you're really flexible when it comes to food. And I, and I love that flexibility because I like that it's not, food's not being put on a pedestal, right? We're not saying like, this one is so much better than that one, or no, you can't have that. But adding in consistency of meals and snack times is what allows a kid to feel comfortable that they can sit down and make the choices. They don't actually, as much as they tell you, they don't want the job of making the menu. Even though they're going to request things, that is too much pressure. So what happens is, is and I don't know if you've seen this yet, but when they decide kind of what they want for a snack and what they want for a meal, at first it's they're a baby and they might be eating all these items. And those items start to go down from 50 items to 30 items to 20 to 10. And they get kind of on these food jags where they just request very selective specific foods. So the way to combat that is so simple. It's just, you make the menu. If he asks you something like, I want an apple, I would respond, I love apples. You know, an apple's not on snack right now today, but it will be tomorrow. So you're not saying no, but you're giving him some time in the future sense that he could have it. And then from there, his job forever is he gets to decide if or whether he eats. So a successful meals and snack is if he eats 0% or if he eats 100%. And I know coming from a dietitian, that sounds so weird, but kids' intake fluctuates and we don't look at their intake day to day. Sometimes they're growing, sometimes they're not, right? It, imagine just being at a meal and someone looking over what you're eating and you decided to eat a quarter of your meal and they're saying like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to finish that spinach? Are you are you sure? Maybe one more bite of that spinach, maybe one more bite. So that pressure backfires. And so they end up eating less. So honestly, play it cool, play it neutral, put the meal out, let them have as much or as little as they want. That's kind of the holy grail when it comes to, to kids eating and they just thrive. I know it makes more work for us, I think, but it really does help them. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. 
The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. I can so relate to that just because I've been so thin my whole life the people commenting on how much you're eating. It's like, I know how my body feels. If I want to eat more, I will, you know? I find my son is like me where I snack all day. It's like handful of almonds, then I have a banana, then I'll grab a yogurt. It's like nonstop. My mealtimes will be smaller portions because I'm eating all day. Whereas my husband's different. He will barely eat all day and then he'll have like a massive dinner I find whenever we're eating with my in-laws, they look at what I'm eating at dinner and they're like, that's all you're going to eat? And I'm like, yeah, but I've been eating all day. Like you guys have not been eating all day. I have. (laughs) So people have different ways that they eat and kids are no different. So one of the things that used to stress me out about Milo was I used to worry that if he didn't eat enough at dinner time, that he was going to wake up in the middle of the night hungry. So what we do now is if he doesn't eat as much as we would like him to at dinner time, we will offer him a snack after bath time while we're doing like our bedtime routine. And that seems to work. It's almost like sometimes at dinner time, he just got home from school. He's all excited. He's playing like the dogs are running around. Like it's not a calm situation where he's going to sit and think about eating. But after bath time, he's like relaxed and he'll eat his full snack. Sometimes we literally will just give him his dinner that he didn't eat and he'll eat it. So what's your thoughts on that? Like the snack before bed, if they haven't eaten dinner? Number one is that 
I think we're so afraid. Sleep, is, I mean, sleep is the most precious thing as a parent, right? The last thing we want is our kid waking up in the middle of the night. And sometimes we get so desperate for that sleep that we'll kind of do anything to make it happen. So the first thing I want to say is, if you have an experience, so most kids, even if they didn't eat a dinner, they're not going to wake up in the middle of the night hungry. There's going to be a time in their life where they do wake up and say they're hungry. And it might be that they're hungry and it might be that they're not hungry, but they've just kind of woken themselves up and they're trying to figure out, can I get a food? Can I see mom and dad or whoever's here with me? Like, can I, can I do something? And so if your kid does wake up in the middle of the night and says, I'm hungry, you can say, oh, I know, you know, the kitchen doesn't open up till 7 a.m., at 7 a.m. you can have more breakfast. But now let's let's dive into exactly what you said there, which is I am all about consistency. So if you go to a movie theater and you get popcorn, the screen is on, you don't even know how many bites of that popcorn you had. And all of a sudden you're just at the bottom. We call that like mindless eating, right? For our kids, we want to set them up so that they can be mindful during meals. So they need to stop their body, which is hard to do, sit down and have a meal. I love giving a before bedtime snack. That's totally fine. I think that's fantastic. I would do it every single night and he can have as much or as little as he wants because what I don't want it to be is where he's like, oh, I'm not going to eat now. And so because I didn't eat now, I'm going to get some sort of treat or I'm going to get something special at that time. It just work that into your schedule. About an hour later, you have a snack or push dinner by like 15 minutes and give him like this moment where you get all the sillies out, have him run around, have him drop something, like get all the sillies out. And then you can say, now it's time to sit down and we calm our body down now and we get into mealtime so that he can kind of settle down. Because that that does help too. Because at this age, they've got so many sillies in them and sometimes just getting it out helps. No, I love that. And I love the idea of just doing it consistently so that he knows what to expect. I always say it needs to be consensual, right? We, there's, so many, there's so many things in parenting. If they don't know when the next meal or snack is, they can't make an educated decision whether they're going to skip that meal or snack because they don't know what's coming next. And so the really, I think we're so afraid of hunger as parents, but hunger is a good thing because what hunger does is it teaches our kids to settle their body down, to eat when meals are served because they can actually feel that discomfort to know what it is. So they can eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full. If we prevented them from ever feeling hungry, they don't even know what that is. And they grow up to have the same eating habits that I grew up doing. You know? <laughs> so you'll probably like this. So I grew up, we never had to finish what was on our plates. That wasn't like a thing, you know, like you're not leaving the table unless you finish what's on your plate or you're not getting dessert later if you don't finish what's on your plate. Like that was never a thing. I don't know why this stuck with me, but my dad used to always say, just eat until you're comfortable. So now I find as an adult, I'm never overeating. Like I don't like eating to the point where I feel uncomfortable. Like I hate it. And that's always in the back of my mind, like just eat until you're comfortable. And then you don't have to stuff yourself because if you want a snack later, you can have your snack. You know, we're not controlling the food. Like you can have a snack, eat when you're hungry, eat until you're comfortable. How does that set up our kids to not be intuitive eaters when we say you have to finish what's on your plate? 
a couple of things. Number one is, is that no one likes overeating. The reason we overeat is because we have a weird relationship with food, right? We're either something's been off limits and now we have it. So we're going to overeat it. We feel guilty about certain foods and that guilt leads to overeating. We feel just deprivation in some way, whether that's in your the own diet you've been on and any type of thing. So that overeating comes from deprivation. And so it's okay if our kids overeat on their own, right? Because you want them to be able to learn what that feels like. So I think Halloween's coming up. We're going to do a whole Halloween episode and we'll tackle this, but it's okay to let your kids kind of overeat, like give them some options and situations. And if they overeat, that's okay. They have a bellyache. We don't say like, I told you so. See, you have a bellyache now. Like, oh, that that didn't feel good. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That maybe that was just a little too much. That gave you a bellyache. So letting them kind of explore that is really important. But pressure, the biggest thing we do is because we think it's our job to get our kids to eat. And so when we when we're operating from that, then we think it's our kids our job to get our kids to finish their plate. And that pressure backfires because you want your kids to eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full. That That's what we want for all of us. And so that pressure always backfires. And then we all go to these desperate situations, right? It's natural. We bribe them. If you finish your plate, then you can get X, Y, or Z, right? Or if you don't finish your plate, you're not going to grow to be big and strong. All of those things, we're pressuring them. And that pressure backfires. It makes more selective eating. And we know it makes them less intuitive. They're eating to please you. I think maybe if we step back. I think in parenting, there's so many times when we know what's right for our kids. Feeding is one of those that's not. It's our We know what, what a good menu looks like. We know how to set up balanced meals, but our kids get to decide how much they eat. That's their job. They know it better than us. We're not in there knowing how hungry or how full they are. I always say the two biggest stressful things are eating and sleeping in parenting. And so if you can kind of work on getting rid of some stress around the eating, it's so freeing. It's just like, I have to really think about it. Like if he's not eating his dinner, I'm like, okay, Renee, like (laughs) self-talk, you know, like this is okay. It's not a big deal. Like, and then it just feels so much better. I wanted to ask you what your go-to meals are and snacks for your family or your son. When we have kids, we're forced to do a lot of things that we don't like doing. And so planning is one of those, right? Some people are just naturally good planners. And if you are, that's amazing. So many of us, before we had kids, we could just, you know, I don't know if you have Postmates, but just like things like that. You could just decide at the last second what to get and and have your meal, right? It was so much more freeing. When we have kids, kids help us kind of rethink our own routine. So my biggest thing is planning. If you take 30 minutes and take that mental load out of your head, we balance way too much as parents. And so take 30 minutes, figure out the menus for the week, plan out three meals and two snacks a day for your kids and figure it out and stick with that menu. Like Bryce will say, what's on the menu? It's not like I just open the fridge. It's like, what am I going to make right now? It's like, oh, it can be something so simple, but I just say that's what's on the menu. So my go-tos, I love having a bunch of like bean spreads. So hummus, black beans, got a hummus recipe. I just love, I make that once a week. We do weeknight enchiladas. I love those. They're really simple. And really anything that I'm just 
I'll make like a big batch. I, I'm all about batch cooking and mixing and matching. So I'll make like a big batch of vegetables and then I can add that with some garbanzo beans I had, or I can mix that with the black beans that I previously made. So all about just kind of making a big batch of things early on in the week and mixing and matching to make different meals. Do you bake like batches of muffins or things like that and freeze them? all about the freezing. Honestly, oh, thank God for freezers. I got to do this. I need to start making muffins. They're so easy. They're so easy. Egg muffins are easy. Regular muffins are easy. Like eggs, you can just scramble an egg and put it in a muffin tin with some vegetables. And there you have, like you can warm that up and that's a breakfast. Overnight oats, that's a simple thing. We have that on our website. I love it. Like the little simple things, I am not... I'm a dietitian. I can cook, but I'm not someone that's cooking these gourmet meals for my kids. I just think about it. I do something really simple that's sustainable. Honestly, you it needs to be sustainable. So the freezer is what makes things so sustainable for me. Are you a fan of smoothies? Love smoothies. Oh, Milo, smoothies. that is like my saving grace is putting like healthy stuff in a blender and he just gobbles it up. And it feels so good to see him drinking like a green smoothie. I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's it's great, right? It feels good. And I think that's a good point is that gardening is a way for kids to know where their food comes from, but getting kids involved in the kitchen is huge. So let them make that smoothie with you. Let them dump in that spinach, you know, let them know what's going into it and let them push the buttons and get involved. That is what is such a driver of them getting engaged in meals, excited about meals, and how really helps with picky and selective eating is really getting involved in the kitchen. We just had Milo help us make pizzas the other day and he ate three pieces. I was like in shock because he hasn't been eating his dinners very much, even things that he loves. And he ate three pieces because he was so excited that he made it. And even the next day it was like, do you want some more of the pizza that you made? And it just makes it kind of exciting. So yeah, highly recommend getting them in the kitchen, even if they're pretending to help because they can't help for whatever it is. Like just toss some ingredients on the island, let them play around with it. And yeah. Get a little set of pots and pans and let them go for it. Oh yeah, totally. Well, this conversation was awesome. To end, I thought you could just tell people where they could find you and where they can find the Meaningful Living podcast, which... I love, I don't really listen to parenting podcasts, but I told Haley, I was like, I love your podcast. Cause like you said, it's just like straightforward. And I find listening to the episodes, I'm in my car, like nodding, like, yep, I know. Yes. Like, you know, cause that's, it's like, you guys are saying my thoughts. So thank you for that. But where can people find you? Well, nothing makes us happier. It's such a labor of love and I just want to bring more confidence. So the fact that you can relate to it and it doesn't feel judgy, but you feel empowered, that's honestly our mission. So everyone can find me at Jessica Diamond RDN on Instagram, but mostly Meaningful Living. So it's Meaningful Living with two L's on Instagram and our podcast is Meaningful Living. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we have on the website, we've got recipes, we have articles, and then we've got a bunch of courses. So we've got a feeding your baby solids course, which I think so many people think it's so easy. I give them some avocado and then they start eating. But I think the thing about feeding your baby is that's when you start your their relationship with food. And so we answer questions you probably didn't know you had, and it makes it so simple. So you feel confident. And we've got a toddler course coming out soon and some cooking courses. So you can find us on, on Instagram and on our website and our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. It was nice to meet you virtually. So nice meeting you too. And thanks for doing what you do. I love your podcast as well. Oh, thank you. Wow.